knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is going to be David in the shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner going, he's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And he didn't just agree from eternity to do it, he actually did it. It is fatal, fatal for us to think that we can ever move on from the gospel. The great problem in the evangelical church today where the scripture is concerned is not the inerrancy of the Bible. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. So we have to wake up to what's happening and recognize that the problem really is our lack of theology. Hi, and welcome to Theology Gals. I'm Colleen, and I have Ashley back with us. This is her first week back after having her baby. And how's that little baby doing, Ashley? He's good. He He's a really big guy. He was nine pounds. Um, and so he's even bigger now. Um, he's about, about two months, two months old. Um, but we're, we're really enjoying him. Um, it was a huge, huge adjustment as I'm sure all the people listening who remember having their first kid know, um, you know, just a lot of changes and things to get used to, but, um, yeah, he's so cute. We, we really love him. <laughs> so. I know it's so much fun. I think, I think the Lord, like gives us this, even though it's you are recovering from having a baby and a new schedule and, and there's so much joy in yeah. having this new person that's your child. Yeah. It's funny because like the day after I, I had him, it, everything just felt so crazy that I was just like, why do people do this more than once? This was, it, this was insane. <laughs> you know, like the whole labor and everything. And then, you know, if by the time it's a few weeks later, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's why they're so fun and they're cute. And, but initially the first few days was just like a shock, you know? Yeah. System, so. And going through labor. I remember yeah. it's like going through labor with my third child and horror it was like my most painful labor and I said to my husband why didn't you remind me how horrible it is <laughs> uh yeah my mom likes to say that women have selective memory yeah it's like a few weeks after your baby's born you're like when are we gonna have another one <laughs> right you're like I know it was bad but I don't think it was that bad yeah I, I could do it again <laughs> yeah yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Well, Ashley's back this week, and then um, there'll be a couple weeks where she isn't back, and then eventually she'll be coming back for good, because yeah. this, this week actually got a few episodes recorded, and just to give a little a couple announcements, n starting next week, we have a two-part series on Federal Vision. And you don't want to miss it because I think it's a super important topic. It's something we've wanted to do an episode on for a while and we got the right guest and we're just really excited to finally be able to do it. But the other big news we have is that there is finally Theology Gals merchandise. Yes. So if you follow us on social media or in our group, you maybe have seen some of it. I'll put a link in the episode notes. It's on all of our social media also. There are a ton of different styles of shirts and a ton of different colors. And I wish it was easier to organize on the site where we have them, but you do got to click around a little bit to see everything. So if you're interested, take the time to go on each of the links. And then once you click on the link, click around a little bit because 
There's kind of the typical unisex t-shirt if you prefer more of that style. And then there's several different uh, female versions of of t-shirts, you know, v-necks to more loose to a little bit more fitted to, I mean, there's just tons of them. And there's also tote bags and there will be mugs soon. And even long sleeve shirts will come out soon. So I know a lot of people have been asking us for a while and I, I already got mine and the quality is wonderful. I, I absolutely love them. So I'm really excited about that. And Ashley will get hers soon too. So we'll take pictures of us wearing them. Yeah. yeah. What they look like. Yeah. Um, they're really cool. I love our, I love our new logo. Yeah. You know, when it, it worked out so nice because we took our logo, which if you've seen it, it's kind of a mustard yellow and navy blue. And we were able to take that logo and put it in all white so we could put that on all kinds of different colored t-shirts. And speaking of that, I wanted to give a shout out to Andy at Track Planet because he's the one who helped me with that. And he's just been so, so, so helpful. And so I definitely want to give him a shout out. And I know a lot of people think of tracks like they're just corny and whatnot, but he actually has some really, really great ones. And he even has where you can design your own. So if you have something that you want to even print up for your church or something like that, I would, I definitely reach out to them. Well, I was going to, I was going to say that even though I'm back, Angela is not going to be gone. She'll, she'll be on the show here and there and who knows how often, right? Right. Cause her, her Southern charm is just delightful. And I, I think, I think it would be too sorely missed if uh, she was gone forever. So. To balance out <laughs> Colleen and Ashley's California Valley, which sometimes sneaks, sneaks do in. Do we really have it? Do we, do we have, uh, you know what? I, I don't know if we, yeah, do. we do. We do. And I, okay. Yeah. I never knew it. If I say the, where the things we say, that are mm. definitely a little that way, then everyone's going to hear them. So I won't say, but mm. I didn't know until I was editing the podcast, which I listen probably more closely than anyone else. And I realized that you and I say some very similar things. Mm. And then a couple of people pointed out to me, oh yeah, that's totally so Southern California. And so, okay. Uh, okay. I, and it's funny because you and I are different ages, but growing up mm. in the same... Area, yeah, we both say some similar things. So yeah, I mean, I've lived in California since I've since I was ten years old, so I've picked it up, I guess. Yeah, definitely, because <laughs> that's that's quite a few years. Yeah, being in Southern California. Well, mm-hmm. we are so excited about this week. This is really a special episode for both of us because we are having Les from the Reform Pubcast on. We both have listened to the Reform Pubcast, and even if you haven't listened to the Reform Pubcast, you need to you need to keep listening to this episode. Les has made a movie called Calvinist. If you haven't watched it, you need to go watch it. And I'll put a link where you can go and purchase it, or you can um, kind of do a streaming of it for a little bit less expensive. And I strongly encourage doing it. It is so well done and so many amazing teachers in it. I mean, he really got just so many great guys contributing to it. And now he's doing another movie. And this one is something that's very important to Ashley and I. It's called Spirit and Truth, and it's about worship. Yeah. So... I'm I'm really excited to see how this one's going to come out. Yeah, I I think it's going to be awesome. Um I think for those of us who have made the trek all the way from you know, Calvinist to Reform, Presbyterian, you know, we've just worship has become so important to us and I'm really looking forward to to seeing what Les does with this. He's very creative and yeah, he's a lot of great people, so he's I 
whenever I watch any part of the Calvinist movie, I'm just so amazed at how talented he is on how he yeah. put it together. <laughs> the the little like the graphics that he made to yes. represent the cut. Co- I was like, wow, that's really impressive. So now we're gonna go to our interview with Les. And we are back and we have Les from Reformed Pubcasts with us today. And we're so excited to have him here. And we're going to be talking to him just about the podcast and his new movie coming up, Spirit and Truth, which we're super excited about, which is about worship. And Les, I, I'm sure that a lot of our audience is either in the pub or listen to the podcast at some point, but would you be willing to share just kind of your journey from Calvinism into Reformed theology that those of us that listen to the podcast kind of watched? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I became, uh, well, I, I was saved in like 2002, something like that. Um, and I slowly journeyed through varying levels of good theology. I, I started off, uh, in when I first moved to Florida, I started and right after I got saved, I started off in a, like an IHOP type church, uh, which I didn't, you know, I had no concept of what was good and bad, but this thing was like people rolling on the floor laughing and all women pastors. And sometimes they would just bring out a map and pray over it for the uh, map of the United States and pray over it for the, like that was the sermon. Um, so just not good. And then over the course of time, I ended up ultimately, uh, bef- when I became a Calvinist, I was in a Calvary chapel. I was in, um, sort of youth leadership and, um, Tanner, who's my co-host on the Reform Podcast, uh, he sort of showed up to this young adults ministry that I was teaching at, and um, he and some other people started confronting me with uh, some of the things that I was teaching. And then there was also this sort of resurgence happening within the church where people were becoming Calvinists, and everybody was listening to Mark Driscoll and Matt Chandler and these these uh, these teachers. <clears throat> um, and so there was a, a pretty strong battle uh, within the church, and I was anti-Calvinist for a long time, and I studied it so much until uh, someone finally sent me a Paul Washer video. <laughs> and the uh, Paul Washer video talked about this idea of walking an aisle and you know praying a prayer and squeezing your hand if you don't want to pray out loud, if you agree, and behold the power of God, uh, this amazing... Thing. And then he talked about what regeneration actually is. And, um, and once I uh, understood what he was saying, it's like my entire theology just came crumbling down. And I realized that, uh, no, actually, God has to change you. And if that's true, then those other five points, those other four points that you've been studying must all be true. And so it all just kind of slammed closed like a bear trap on my leg. Um, and I fought against it for a little bit and then I just embraced it and it became the most joyous reality I could imagine. Um, and then a few years later, uh, Tanner and I, we, we, we listened to a lot of podcasts, uh, both of us just kind of, it was part of our lives or whatever. And then we specifically got into like breaking bad podcasts cause breaking bad was big at the time. And these behind the scenes things. And for some reason, we just got into these entertainment podcasts. And um, we were both like, you know, it'd be really fun if we like sat down with, because we were both into craft beer. What if we sat down with a craft beer and just started talking about theology and tried, tried to make a podcast? So we did it. Uh, we put like a couple episodes out there. And then I started a Facebook group. So the, the show was called The Reformed Pubcast. Uh, and then we decided to make a Facebook group, the reformed pub, and that would be sort of the, the fan club for the, the podcast. We can get interactions from our listeners and stuff like that. And then, uh, people started congregating and, uh, people started joining the group and it kind of blew up. And eventually the group, um, you know, started getting, started growing even bigger than the podcast audience, because I guess it was just something about that name, the reformed pub and, you know, people really, really, uh, 
were drawn to that, that idea of like a laid back environment where you can talk about reformed theology. Uh, so we really touched on something and the podcast continued to grow and the, the, the group continued to grow. And we, I tried a bunch of different ideas. We, we made a website at one point and it just wasn't, I'm not good at keeping up with that stuff and I'm not really a blogger or a writer. And, um, so, um, yeah, so over the course of the past five years, as we've been doing this show, we have been, you know, as reformer, reform people do, we've been reforming our theology and, um, there was a famous, uh, like our most quote unquote famous episode is episode 96, which I named after the formula that, uh, friends <laughs> titled all their shows. It's called the one where less becomes a Presbyterian. And, uh, it's, it's really, I mean, I still, I love it because it's me as a Presbyterian Tanner still as a reformed Baptist. And we just argued the entire episode, um, as you know, friends who disagree on this issue and have a pretty good working understanding of both positions. And, uh, it was, yeah, it's just, just really good. And then Tanner of course became a Presbyterian shortly after. And, um, but yeah, that's kind of the story of, of the show and the, the pod or, and the, the Facebook group and all that. Um, I'm not sure if I've shared this on the podcast before, but I actually remember that episode, episode 96. (laughs) And I have probably told like 10 different people like that are like kind of thinking about, you know, Presbyterianism. Hey, you should go check out this episode. Because when my husband and I started attending a Presbyterian church, it was like the exact same time you guys came out with that episode. Hmm. And we we worked together. We were on our way to work listening to it. And we were just like, oh, like wow. some of the some of the missing pieces. Like we were kind of like already on board, but some of the missing pieces were kind of falling together. Um, and so that that episode was actually super helpful uh, for oh, so me. Encouraging. And weird. Actually, my husband has listened to you guys since you guys started hmm. and before I even cared about theology. Actually, he tried to show me you guys' show and I was like, eh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't think theology is all that important. And here I am doing a podcast on it now. But yeah. um, I, I remember like your guys' episode, he showed me on like the regular principle when you guys hmm. were like brand new. Yes. And... You hate you later had to like walk back that one a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, we said it was we said the regulative principle was legalism and you know, how dare you stifle someone if they want to play an electric guitar on the stage? If that's the gift that God has given them, then that's how they should worship. Um so yeah, the very next episode, we got all this hate feedback because our group was, you know, it there were actually reformed people who were listening and who were um, involved in the conversations. And that's really been one of the coolest things about it is like, we have to be careful in what we say. And if we do say something that's like slightly off, we've never said anything but like heretical. That's, that's probably the worst thing we've said is about the regular principle, but people are very quick to, you know, call us to take a look at what we're saying a little bit closer. But so the very next episode, we cut that section out so that nobody would like ever be convinced by the things we were saying. And then we said, you know, we were wrong. Like there's, this isn't, this is actually the reform view and we clearly don't understand it very well. So we need to study it more. And now it's like all we talk about. So I guess uh, we've, we've reformed in that way too. One of the things Colleen and I have talked a lot about, um, I know we're going to get to talking about your new movie soon is how to talk about how to, I mean, how to talk about with people who are still in the Calvinism um, and they're kind of moving towards, you know, reformed confessional theology, just how to talk to people about that in a gracious way. Because a lot of times when it gets brought up, like, you know, we talk about like the second commandment or the fourth commandment, um, things like that get brought up. It, It just comes off as like, I don't know, like we're trying to be really legalistic or we're trying to restrict people. Um, can you maybe talk about a little bit like how to, how to talk about like confessionalism and things like that, like graciously with mm. people who aren't quite there yet? Like they're on board with Calvinism, but they're just not to that yeah. point. Well, I think uh, the best thing that 
that you can do. And it takes, it takes work and that's, yeah, I'll, I'll get into some more details about, about why, why I would say that. But, um, we, if you're a Calvinist, then you clearly have submitted to something that's pretty important. Um, and that, that is the, like the authority, the, the authority of the word of God in a way that other people might give lips, lip service to, but they, they're not really there. Like, you know, Romans nine is a perfect example. Um, most people that disagree with Romans nine in like, really what they're saying is it can't mean what it says. Um, and so, but the, the Calvinist is actually able to say, no, it actually does. It means what it says, even though it's insulting to my flesh, even though it's really hard to accept and it's really challenging the way that I thought God operated. It actually is saying that. And that's a work of the spirit, right? That we would submit to the word in that way. Um, so if, if you're talking to somebody who is already submitted to the word of God in that way, then we should be able to, um, to get them to, to do those same things. Like, so with the second commandment, for example, um, you know, the, the Bible does actually talk about these things and the second commandment, which is, you know, don't make God commands not to make images of God. And so the confession talks about that as that means the father, the son, the Holy spirit, we're not, we're, we're not to make doves. We're not to make crucifix images um, because those are uh, images of God. So, uh, you know, just giving biblical arguments is really all we can do. And when we give biblical arguments, especially when we understand that all of our understanding about how God uh has revealed God has revealed himself to us. Uh, and that's not of us. That's of God. So we, we should automatically be, um, gracious with other people so that they, um, you you know, understanding that the only way they'll ever understand this is if God reveals it to them as well. So if we understand spiritual realities to be spiritual, then we should be able to speak calmly and in love and um, and really speak to the part of this person that has already submitted to the scriptures and sees this as, or should be seeing this as good and glorious to God, not just inconvenient or I'm not I'm not able to make that meme that I really wanted to make because you know I because it requires a picture of Jesus. Um, but it also I think it just takes time a lot a lot of time. So so. When we started the pub, we were like every other Facebook Christian group, and those groups are filled with pictures of Jesus. <clears throat> and people would put in memes of Jesus in our group, and we thought they were hilarious just like everyone else. And then the, <laughs> the hardcore Presbyterians started speaking up, and they're like, you know, this is actually uh, really offensive, and it's a sin. <laughs> like Some of them would say it's a sin. Some of them would say it's just really unwise and irreverent. Um, and they were at least irreverent, if not sinful, for the most part. So um, we heard that enough where we decided to put a, a rule in place. They're like, okay, you know, we don't agree with this necessarily, but we don't want to offend our Reformed brothers, and this is a pretty solid Reformed position. So no more pictures of Jesus in the, in the pub. And then uh, as time went on, there was just this experiential thing where it, I would like be scrolling through my Facebook timeline and some picture of Jesus would appear in some other group. And it just like made me cringe. And I'm like, Oh man, like there's nothing good about this. This doesn't honor God at all. It's a, you know, it's a, that's not what Jesus looks like and on and on and on. So that really, it was just to so that experiential part of it was just like, like, it it just took time for it to all sink in and for me to sort of see it the way people, other people saw it and to start to appreciate it. And um, so that was a big deal for me. And now I am actually convinced that, you know, there is, there's nothing good about it. And I would pretty much say it's sinful, but maybe, maybe I'd pump the brakes a little bit just because there's a little bit of gray 
gray area in there, but um, I don't think, I think for, for pretty much every purpose that a person wants to make a picture of Jesus, there's a better way to do it. And it's just the word of God is a better option than drawing some picture of Jesus that isn't him. It sounds like you're saying that even with you, um, Ashley asked about how to be gracious and approaching it so Mm -hmm. that there, that we should have some patience with people when we are presenting these things. So with you, you're presented with some things and maybe you weren't convinced immediately, but as you began to study and, and think through it, you were. And I've seen that same thing with people in my life where I present something theological that that I believe and initially they maybe push back and then just over time and study and prayer that they're able to to embrace it. Um, so on when you made the movie Calvinist, what what was the primary thing that you wanted to communicate? And we're going to put a link in our episode notes. If you have not watched the movie, go watch it. Um, I think you you have you can either purchase it or you can. There's a streaming option, and we encourage all of our audience to go and watch it. But what things were you hoping to communicate with that movie? Um, I th- I would say that uh any any good i thought there was a story that was worth telling and that story was this phenomenon that happened uh probably 10 12 within the past decade or so uh years ago uh that all of a sudden all of these young people started um discovering reformed theology started discovering calvinism and the sovereignty of god in salvation specifically <clears throat> and uh, I just thought that was a story worth telling. It was interesting enough, and I had found myself in a in a situation in sort of a community of people that had a very similar story. Um, so it was like this collective story of of a generation of of people. So just for that, for the sake of that story being told, and sort of my story being told in a lot of ways, um, I thought that was that was worth it, and I thought that a lot of people would would appreciate that, appreciate that story being told. Um, and then along with that, those same people could sit down with their mom or their grandma or their cousin that suddenly thinks they're crazy because they, you know, believe that God chooses some and not others and all the things that are are crazy about Calvinism, sit down with them and one show the experiential side of it. Like this is what we went through and this is, for a lot of people, it's very similar to what they went through. Um, two, to actually explain the biblical basis for it, that there's, you know, we're not just making this up. There's actually verses that support this thing. And then, uh, and then three, the, the historic, the historicity of it, like this actually was, this came organically out of history and it was a reaction to error and it, it was a correction, um, of error. And then the final thing I would say, the purpose, and maybe the most important purpose, um, is sort of the second half or the the last third of the movie is all about sort of where we're supposed to, where we should go from here. That that Calvinism isn't just the five points; that's just the tip of the iceberg. And there is a, a confessional tradition that we belong in. And we shouldn't be orphaned from that. And uh, and then ultimately, uh, kind kind of the precursor to the movie that I'm trying to get funded and to make next is uh, the movie kind of uh, swells into worship, the the response to what God has done for us and uh, the beauty of worship, and then the response also of evangelism out of worship and out of what God has done for us and uh, in salvation. So, yeah, so ultimately the goal of the movie is where do we go from here? Where should these young, restless, reformed people, um, what path should they be on? So your next movie really is a great kind of follow-up to the first one. Yeah, I like to think so. So can you maybe talk a little bit about, because I know know in Calvinism you kind of have this push towards 
at the end, it's kind of like, let's keep reforming. Like, you know, as you were, as you were explaining kind of our generation and what we went through, I really related to it a lot. Cause that was mm. definitely where I started. I barely could name the five points and now I'm a reformed Presbyterian, but wh- like, why, why is worship so important to us now that we're reformed and we have, you know, just a different understanding of what worship is like, why, why is this movie important? Yeah. Well, for one, why it's important, why it's needed. And, you know, who knows who's actually going to watch a movie like this. Um, but hopefully the people who need to see it are the ones who are going to watch it. But, um, you know, there's, there's already a lot of confusion of like, so the movie's called spirit and truth. Um, and it's a movie about worship. So in my, in the trailer and in the, the Kickstarter video and in the descriptions, I'm talking a lot about worship and people are automatically thinking that the movie is about music because we use that word worship to describe like when we're raising our hands and singing in church and uh, that one radio station (laughs) is the worship station. Uh, But worship music, don't get me wrong. Music is a part of uh, the, the practice of worship, but music is, is actually a small part. Uh, it is important, and God does want his people to sing to him in worship, but uh, especially as Reformed people, this, the central and most primary thing that happens in the worship of God is the word of God being preached. So actually, preaching is the most important part of worship. And so uh, there, uh, one thing I want to do is just clarify what worship actually is, because we're talking about approaching God and that's not about styles of music primarily. That's about a, a, a position of your, wh- where your heart is. And ultimately it's about what does God want from us? And that's something that's been completely flipped on its head. Like we, we think that worship is about get walking into a classroom essentially and then you get a rock show first and then you then you get your lesson so you're about you're there to learn um, more about God and learning learning about God is a part of that process as well but but think about what that word worship means and think about what it would mean in any other context and think about what like what it should be sounding like to the to the world and if we read if we rethink about like what that word means in its raw form like it's it's like it's a religion and then you do weird things to show your God that you are devoted to him because you're worshiping him. You're giving him the things that he wants. That's why people like did human sacrifices and that's why the Israelites sacrificed animals. And that's why uh, there was incense and like, uh, you know, you'd have to go behind a curtain and sprinkle blood and, all this crazy stuff that we have completely forgotten about because now it's us enjoying ourselves or learning or whatever. But no, the primary thing that we're doing is lifting God's name high, ascribing worth to him, speaking to him, singing to him, and him speaking to us. And so there's this this conversation happening between us and God. And we need to get back to that. We need to get back to the, the actual thing that we're participating in um, and stop getting all worked up about like it's what's happening on the stage sounding like that just as good as those songs on the radio and, and all that stuff. Um, But so, so Calvinism like the, so the movie Calvinist is important because us understanding how God saves his people is very important. And, um, and it's, it's just, it's good. It's, it makes us more worshipful people to understand the way that God has saved us. Uh, but worship is actually more important and it's ultimate in importance because now we're ta- we're not talking about what we get and how God uh, interacts with us and takes away our sins and all that. Now we're talking about what does God actually want ultimately? Because worship is something that never ceases. 
Uh, and that's what we're going to be doing in the new heavens and the new earth for all of eternity. We're going to be worshiping God. And that's why God saved you. He saved you so you would worship him. And that's why we evangelize. We evangelize because people aren't yet worshiping him, as John Piper puts it, which is brilliant. Um, so God did all this so that he would be worshiped, so that he would be glorified. So we have to be asking the question, what does he actually want? Does he, does he want whatever we can come up with? Is he like, like, well, at least they're thinking of me. Or is he a God who cares so much that he's actually killed people in the Bible for not approaching him in the very specific way that he, uh, that he gave. And he wrote entire books of the Bible talking about what the ministers would do in worship and how the people of God would approach him and, um, and all of that. So I would say God cares a lot how he's to be worshiped and we need, we should then care about that. Yeah. And for any of our audience that is new to the idea of the regulative principle of worship, Ashley and I have done an entire episode. So you can look that up on our site and Les and Tanner have talked about it quite a bit. Quite a bit. Yes. (laughs) Um, So you you had so many wonderful pastors and Calvinists. Can you give us a sneak peek on who some of the people that will be in spirit and truth are? Uh, so it's still in sort of the preliminary stages. Uh, and so over the course of the first Kickstarter, I, I would just reach out to people and whoever would say, yes, I'd add them to the list. And I would just made it, you know, made it a point to make it out to them. But the very first name on the list is Kevin DeYoung. Because so Kevin DeYoung was in my it was in Calvinist and I just appreciated him so much and uh, it was great to meet him. So when I decided I wanted to make another movie, I reached out to him and pitched some ideas to him, and um, he seemed really really interested in a movie about about the subject of worship. So um, so he's like hopefully I want to make him like a very central figure in the movie because he cares so much about it and he's so good at communicating. I don't know if, if your audience has listened much to uh, Kevin DeYoung, but he's absolutely brilliant, but he's also really, really good at knowing what his audience needs and what they can handle and the best way to sort of explain it to them. So his presentation is always fantastic. So that's the kind of guy I need on a subject like this. Cause I mean, I'm sure the audience, like a lot of people hearing the way that I'm talking about this is like, could this movie even be interesting? Sounds very dry. Sounds very like, you know, academic, but, um, but I think it can, I think it can really be interesting. Uh, uh, the reformers always talked about the drama of worship and, uh, this is actually a very dramatic subject. Uh, and I'm gonna be doing obviously everything I can to make it visually appealing, but, uh, but anyways, so Kevin DeYoung, uh, Ian Hamilton, he's another brilliant teacher. Josh Bice, from, uh, he, he heads up the G3 conference in Georgia every year. Uh, Stephen Nichols, Carl Truman. Uh, uh, yeah, like, and I've reached out to a bunch of other people that are sort of on, that haven't gotten back to me with a, a final answer yet, but I'm hoping to get, you know, like Lincoln Duncan and... Um, all those, all those guys. Sounds great. Sounds like you need to have Michael Horton. I always hear him talking about the drama. <laughs> yep. Yes. Isn't that, isn't that the language he uses on the way? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Just, just as an aside, I, I saw you post in the pub that you were going to call it spirit and truth. And so I've just been thinking about that verse and how it's so misunderstood and used wrongly. So I love that you're calling it that. I was last week, I stopped at a gas station and I looked across the street and there's this giant Calvary chapel um, in Costa Mesa out here. Hmm. And there's this big mural, you know, the dove emblem that they use. And so it's the dove and it says, we worship in spirit and truth, mm. like really big. And I just, I was thinking about this movie that you're making and I'm just like, well, how do you know? How do you know <laughs> that you're, you know, and I have no idea about this church and how they worship or anything, but it just, it just occurred to me that so many people use that verse to mean so many different things. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, especially the spirit part. <laughs> that part gets uh gets misunderstood quite a bit. We what we'll do is we will link um in the episode notes some of a couple of the episodes that Reform Podcast has done and and that we've done. But why is the regulative principle of worship so important to our Christian faith and practice? Yeah, uh well, it's Again, it's just asking that question, what does God want from his people? And uh, uh, and God has reacted very poorly, or very, not poorly, uh, very in, in anger, in wrath, when people don't obey what he's, what he's laid out for, for worship. So we, we don't get to invent, uh, I, I like to think about, the best way to think about it for me is, um, it's like my wife, you know, I can, if, if I want to make my wife happy, um, I can do the things that I like and try to present them to her, assuming that she'll like them too. But if she's specifically told me, I don't like this, I do like this. Um, and then I just keep doing the thing that I like. <laughs> um, and, and she, but she told me she doesn't like that thing, uh, then there's a problem there. And I'm not actually, I'm not actually, uh, showing my love and my care for her. I'm doing what, just what I like. So it's actually self-centered. It's, it's man-centered. It's all about me instead of, uh, about showing, uh, my, that, that I value her and ascribing worth to her. Like I care about you and you've blessed me. So I'm going to bless you. Um, so it's the same thing. It's the same thing with God, except with God, we're we're one. We're infinitely more um, indebted and responsible to be honoring Him uh, the way that He's told us to. He's told He's specifically told us not to invent ways to worship Him in the Scriptures, and um, and we are you know, we're, we're indebted to him as our creator, but also as our, as our savior, you know, he's, he's saved us in order that we would come before him and worship and then worship him for, for all of eternity. And, uh, so, so we need to be listening to what he, and I, I think it's, it's, I mean, ultimately it's a lack of faith to think that I, I need to, muster up inside myself some kind of emotional response because that's what worship is because if I don't feel it then I'm not really worshiping and that's not to say that you shouldn't have some kind of emotional response to worship because you know we are truly worshiping God and it should be evoking um gratitude and and all of that in us but um but it's 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 what God desires and it's actual worship. So it's not about us. It's not about our emotions. It's not about, um, being able to see like there's the, um, we, we, it's by faith and not by sight. So if we keep setting these things out before ourselves, like we've got the lights and we've got the smoke machines and we've got the, all these instruments and like all this crazy stuff going on. It's all about seeing, it's all about what we we see where God has actually ordained these ordinary means of grace, the preaching of the word, the sacraments. Uh, we, we eat this bread and we drink this wine, and we actually believe that it's doing something to us. It's imparting grace to us, but you can't see that, and it's actually foolish. That's the kind of stuff that God talks about when he says um, that, that, that it's the foolishness of God that is is even greater than the wisdom of men, but because this seem this message seems foolish, these means seem foolish. That I would sit week by week on the Lord's Day in a church, hearing from a book that was written thousands of years ago, and then eat some bread and drink some wine, and then something's gonna change in me. But God actually says that He is. He's imparting grace to us through these things. Um, so that's faith. It's not, it's not sight. It's doing what God said and then believing that God will do what he said he would do. And when we, when we don't do that, we're actually 
that's unbelief. We're saying that what God has prescribed to us isn't enough. So this is actually very, very important stuff. And a lot of people in the church in general just aren't thinking it through. And within, I mean, like under the umbrella of the regulative principle, there are a lot of different interpretations and variations of of what that means. And some are are much more strict than others. Um, I I did see you comment on that a little bit in, in the pub. But how are you going to navigate all these different interpretations of the regulative principle? Yeah, so I am not. So if you saw Calvinist, then um, you know that that subject can go very, very deep, very fast, and you can get into all sorts of um, murky waters and nitpicking theological things. That's not the kind of movie I want to make, mainly because like I, I don't mind having those conversations, and I actually do get a kick out of you know that kind of interaction sometimes. But I don't think that's a fun movie to watch. <laughs> like, like what being involved in a Facebook debate on theology might be fun, but watching it in the form of a movie isn't. So I don't want to get into the minutia. Um, there's like a sort of a grand thesis that I want people to be convinced of by the end of it. And that is that God has actually spoken and he's spoken specifically about how he wants to be approached. The details of how that works, um, that's, you know, that's beyond the scope of, of what I'm trying to do. But if people can walk away from the film realizing that um, what, what I like and what the congregation prefers doesn't get to trump what God says he wants because we're not here to worship man. We're here to worship God. And if we believe that God has spoken, then we have to submit to, to what he said. So if, if, if someone can walk away from that and then start, just start questioning some of the practices, start and start um, implementing um, things that are more honoring to God in their worship. Strip away some of this unnecessary thing. These actually distracting things. They're, they're distracting us from faith because they're giving us, you know, like ADD, <laughs> spiritual ADD. So we can't even focus on the things that God is promising to us because we have to get these man-made, it's artificial stimulation um, in order to worship. Is just just really really bad stuff, um, on a, spiritually speaking. So if somebody can walk away from the movie, just kind of embracing that general concept that um, that God has these simple means of grace, and he 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 actually has a way that he wants to be worshipped. That's all. That's all I can ask for. And then you can keep studying to figure out the details, and people are going to come to different conclusions, and I'm okay with that. For those who are not familiar and haven't uh, don't follow you on on uh, Facebook or aren't in the reform pub, the way that you fund these movies is through a Kickstarter, which uh, you just started recently. And so any of our audience that would like to support you in making this movie, which we'll link in the episode note, and then you have different goals, which will determine different aspects of the movie, right? Yeah. So I'm, Basically, if the movie gets funded, I'm de- going to devote a big chunk of time to traveling and um, and equipment, and then obviously the process of editing the thing and producing it and releasing it and all that. So all that stuff takes money. The goal that I set was forty thousand dollars for sort of just if this thing is going to exist, and then beyond that, uh, if that goal gets met, it hasn't it hasn't been met yet as of the recording of this show. Uh, it's about what eighty six percent right now, which is looking good. But um, I think that the if we can expand the scope of what's possible, uh, the movie's going to be so much better. Like for example, the first thing, the first stretch goal that I'm setting is to be able to travel outside the country, maybe go to the UK, maybe go to like China or Africa or Haiti, and and see 
what the regulative principle looks like in these other cultures. Because it's very easy to say, you know, we should worship this way. And then you're like in the Western world, European inspired, and everybody kind of looks like they're doing traditional. And that's one of the the things too, is people, people think that the kind of worship that I'm talking about is just traditional versus, you know, more like edgy, but the emphasis isn't on tradition. It's on, on what God has said he wants. So what does it look like for people in Haiti or China to be worshiping according to the regulative principle of worship? There's going to be things that are different because it's a different culture, but what are the similarities? I think that'll be, that's pretty fascinating stuff. So um, so those are the kinds of goals that I'll be setting. Uh, if the movie gets funded, we can go above and beyond and uh, make it the best it can possibly be. And all those things cost money. And so people who are who believe in it, uh, please get behind it. Please consider supporting it. Uh, I I would appreciate it. And if we don't support things like this, then they just simply won't exist. And I think that would be that'd be sad. Yeah, we actually want to encourage our audience um, to consider supporting this project. And we know we've had so many people in our audience that started listening to us and have come have come a long way in their understanding and embracing of the regulative principle of worship and other aspects of Reformed theology. So we, we're going to link that in our episode notes, and we do ask that our audience would consider supporting you in this. We're very, very excited about this movie. Well, thank you very much. It's also fun to see Christians make good art because there's some bad Christian movies and, yeah. and, and art and things out there. So, yeah, when I was releasing Calvinist, I mean, you know, it's, it was my first stab at anything like this to this kind of scope. And, you know, I obviously as the person who made it, I know all the weaknesses and I know the ways that I, I wish it were better. And, uh, but you know, time and money and all those restraints are, are, are on you, especially with, you know, this is a very small sort of independent film. Um, but the the beauty of this industry is that the bar is very low as far as quality standards go. There's some really great stuff out there, don't get me wrong, but um, typically Christians aren't really looking for, <laughs> for the greatest quality in the world. Or maybe they want it, but they, they're just not getting it. Um, but I am confident, like I learned so much from the making of that movie and I look at it now and, you know, I cringe probably 10, 15% of the time. Uh, but yeah, I, I really think this will be uh, a step up in quality and storytelling. And um, I've already got some, some really good ideas, I think some really good ideas uh, moving around in my head. So yeah, please, please check it out. Please consider supporting it. And uh, yeah. And look forward to getting it into everybody's hands. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you coming on and talking about this. And anything that we talked about today, you'll be able to find linked in our episode notes. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. This was fantastic. Yeah, thanks, Les.